Welcome to this Beringa Become Digital podcast, part of a wider series we're running with industry leaders in the digital space. My name is Tom Nichols. I'm in the customer digital team at Beringa. And with me today is Alex Chisholm, Global Omnichannel Director at pret Alex has been at the forefront of Pret's digital charge, both in the UK and in the US for the last three years. Lots of experience in digital transformation, particularly in the media education sectors, including NBC, MIT and Leaprog. I've been lucky enough to have been working with Alex for the last nine months or so, which has been great, supporting the PREP team on some big steps they're making in the digital space. Alex, hello, and thank you for joining us. How are you? That was very official. I'm doing great. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> uh, really, really uh, happy to be here and share some of this, the perspectives and, uh, and lessons learned that we've had over the, the past year. So, Fab. So I'd like to start by asking you about the context behind PREP's journey into digital. It might be fair to say that Pret hasn't historically been known as a digital business. How true is that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty spot on. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, food to go, grab and go uh, retail, it's it's been, uh, you know, it, it's it, the, the fact that our real estate strategy was really our marketing strategy for close to three and a half decades. Um, and, and honestly, has, has built a really it helped to build a really great um, and strong business. Um, when uh, you, you think about where customers are now, where the opportunities are to uh, improve business operations through digital solutions, various technologies, it's it's definitely behind the curve. Our digital maturity is, uh, I think it's fair to say, within the, the building, we're all aware of our immaturity. Um, about three years ago, as, as, uh, as JAB acquired uh, Pret, uh, they had in their in their portfolio. They had just acquired Panera, which is a, a very strong digital brand in the U.S. So, they had a, a, a big ambition that uh, they wanted Pret to transform and get to know its customers and uh, and and begin to grow its business through various digital channels uh, pretty quickly. So that's about the time when I joined the business. In fact. Um, I, I started the day the acquisition uh, was uh, was announced. So uh, for me, it's been, you know, since day one, essentially go digital or die. And uh, it, and it's not just here in the UK, it's it, it's global. I had started in New York. Um, we had an app, a very small app, which was really a menu and a coffee card uh, that, that uh, emerged, but that uh, within a few months, it became very clear that for us to really uh, to really become digital, um, and certainly the size of the business uh, in London, we needed to we needed to we needed to really drive it from here. And so, uh, came to London and started working with the teams, and uh, it's been a journey. I mean, and 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 I think the other thing that's really uh, really important to to note is that. Uh, you don't just turn on digital. It's it's one of those things that uh, we've had to really rethink the way we operate, uh, rethink the culture, get people on board, uh, think about winning hearts and minds. So uh, three years in and, and a pandemic later, <laughs> we are, uh, I think, in, in 2021, um, beginning to see some of the benefits of, of a lot of a lot of people's very hard work um, and and thoughtful uh, and creative thinking uh, and and getting ready for uh, for what's ahead as we come into the next normal. With the outbreak of COVID-19, LT forced a change for a lot of businesses in a really short space of time. I think for Pret, you almost lost your revenues overnight. And so the priorities for digital, like many brands, must have been really accelerated. 
how have you guys responded to that, particularly in terms of your strategy, business models, and how you engage customers? Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question, and and I think um, what was interesting is that we we knew the pandemic was coming. I mean, our, our Hong Kong business um, was affected really early in uh, in 2020. And I, I remember the teams coming in and, and we were watching what was happening in Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, as a, as a barometer for what, what we could do. And I think we had the view, at least those of us who were, who were sp- supporting global teams, that we, we could we could figure out what they were doing. We could support them and learn how to kind of not make the same mistakes and be able to do here as, as things hit here, uh, what they, they were trying to do there um, and, and learn from some of that. But this, it was a tsunami and it was so quick that I remember the third week of March. I mean, no one has ever shut Pret down. I mean, if you think about a company that is almost like a utility in London, um, and that's a, a paraphrase of, of one of my friends and colleagues. Um, if, if you if you think about the just the the energy of our supply chain, the energy of our teams, uh, and and certainly the buzz in our shops, and you think one day it's happening and the next day it's not, and how you shut that down, it's not just a loss of sales. It's like literally you 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 basically put a tranquilizer in a giant, and so. Um, you know, our strength uh, in normal trading periods, which is, again, our, our, our estate in, in central London and then obviously in, in the regions, um, was immediately, you know, crippled. And so I, I think all of us woke up on that first Monday as we tried to empty the supply chain, tried to think through what the next step was. Um, it, it just was it, such an unbelievable task to turn Pret off. So that before we even began to think about how to turn prep back on, um, which took about uh, five weeks, I think, six weeks in, in a, a really carefully uh, designed phasing and, and reopening so that we could do it safely. Um, we, we were in that time thinking, okay, retail is not going to be the same for a while. And so we immediately started looking at how we could uh, obviously support the NHS, um, what, what, what opportunities there were there to, to really, because at that point, if you remember, no one knew what was going on. Um, we knew that, that people were going to be in lockdown, so delivery was going to be one of the only ways that, that we could do. So we had to really rethink our, our delivery partner strategy. And uh, obviously, there was no catering. So if you, if you think about what our core business was at retail and B2B catering before the pandemic, and really a, a very modest amount of delivery partner sales, uh, we were we really had to, to, to mobilize quickly. And, uh, you know, our friends at, at Deliveroo and Just Eat and uh, Uber Eats uh, mobilized us really quickly. Um, and we were able to, um, by the time, uh, I think we were in the, the second phase of opening shops at the end of April, uh, in May, by by that point, we were we were able to trade close to fifteen and twenty percent of uh, as we started reopening those shops. Uh, our mix had completely changed, and um, shops began to realize that delivery wasn't just a penance on the operations that they had to do for incremental sales; that it was actually a sales driver. Um, and so, I think those early days of of the the uh, the pandemic, and certainly as we've 
we've grown delivery sales and and this week we will 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 be right around the nine percent ten percent um as as the lockdown measures um have helped our 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 retail business recover um we're still seeing growth in in the delivery uh in the in the the b2c delivery category which is which is really big um and so as as we've gone through the year uh obviously we had had a roadmap uh coming out of the digital transformation work that we we started in 2019 um, and then uh, as we re rebuilt the team, uh, digital product team uh, and the tech and transformation team, we, we really started focusing on uh, kind of a, a long, longer term roadmap, knowing that it wasn't just about the near term sales and, and some of the tactical things that we could put in. Uh, it was how we, we could think more strategically. And it, it's, it's through that work that the coffee subscription emerged um, in late 2020. Um, where uh, you know we 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 saw an opportunity to uh, you know increase our share in the coffee uh, the the market, um, offer customers a, a really compelling and and uh, interesting value uh, proposition, um, and then begin to drive footfall back into our shops as those new behaviors started to emerge. As a loyal coffee subscriber myself, and also having worked on it with you guys, which was great. How did you come up with that? Because it's an industry-first proposition, basically. You know, where where was the spark of genius in that? I I think it's a it, it's interesting because it there at JAB they had uh, they had been in conversations and I think it may have actually been already active at Panera uh, in the U.S. Now Panera's coffee business is a is is a slightly different mix than the the percentage of, of coffee that we sell here at Pret in the U.K. So. Um, I, I think it was uh, at the end of the day, I think it was a gamble, um, but that everyone, by the time we had started doing the commercial modeling and we had looked at the, uh, the tech that would be needed to put into our shops, because again, recognize we, we never traded digitally with any customers. So for, for the estate to be equipped with the scanners um, and just the enabling technology, um, the teams, I, I think within eight weeks of it, it kind of getting official kind of nod to do. Um, we were we were live with customers at, at scale across all shops. Um, and so I'd never seen anything that quick um, in in the time I'd, I'd been at Pret uh, up until that point. And so I think it, it was a real testament to everybody recognizing um, that we, again, going back to uh, the digitize or die, uh, you know, uh, refrain, uh, everybody recognized that we had an opportunity as customers were starting to come out of uh, the lockdown at the end of summer and whatever that middle normal was that we saw between September and December, uh, that there was an opportunity for us to do something and learn from. And so, um, you know, the, the, I think the, the idea around the coffee subscription came through our owners. Um, and that uh, it was, uh, I think, scrutinized and, and ultimately embraced and championed by, by everyone at the business to, to recognize that we had, we had an, an opportunity to be first to market in something, which for, if you think about it, for a, a brand that's not digital and to introduce a first to market digital proposition, that was a, that was a big win. So coffee subscription has been a huge success, even just standing in shops. You see loads of people using it. And it's been fascinating for me as a product owner leading the coffee subscription and app teams at Prep. 
um, as you start to engage customers digitally and meet more customer needs. We launched the app live in May, and we know there are further propositions both in the market and the pipeline, such as the click and collect trial. Can you elaborate on some of that and how you're pulling together the customer experience across channels in both the front end and the back end? It's a great question. And, and you know, when you think about the way uh, Pret has traded over the years, it's been, you know, primarily through bricks and mortar. So when you introduce uh, a first digital proposition and, and have it be coffee subscription, it's pretty exciting because it's not just uh, hygiene or table stakes. It's, it's literally something very new and, and changes, I think, how, uh, how our shops uh, interact with customers. Uh, certainly the, the data that we're able to look at to better understand our customers in a way that we hadn't uh, previously. So, you know, I think coming late to the game uh, and, and thinking about app click and collect, you know, obviously in the last year, we've accelerated our development in, in, in delivery, uh, just given people working from home. Uh, it's really, I think, changed the mindset of uh, certainly the, the, the team here at the, the support center head office. Um, but then also, uh, I think it's, it's getting the shops thinking about digital customers and uh, recognizing that, uh, you know, there are people who will walk through our front door and go to the Langers or go to the counter for that, that traditional retail experience, but that there are new ways to bring that Pred experience into things like the app, into a, a really, um, I, I think, uh, value-added click-and-collect order-ahead delivery experience um, that you wouldn't uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect from another another QSR or coffee shop, but that because we're Pret, we have to make sure that we weave in kind of the joy and the magic and the experience that, um, you know, the brand has been built on. Uh, as we test click and collect in Manchester and, and, and look to some of the shops where we have it currently in London, uh, and then certainly as, as we, uh, you know, start to look at the, the different releases uh, of the app uh, on, in the app store on uh, the iOS app, um, and, and then really think about uh, kind of, again, how that pret in your pocket um, creates a different relationship with, uh, with customers and, and how we, uh, we leverage kind of not only, I think, the, the opportunities we're trying to unlock with that, but the fact that customers have invited us into certain real estate on their phone or in their wallet. Um, and so we really want to be, I think, responsive and responsible and relevant um, as we, uh, as we expand these propositions. I think there have been so many learnings, certainly from when, when I've been working with the teams from where Pret has, has gone to where it's going. I think historically Pret's been, an amazing business that has built up from selling triangular sandwiches to where it is today um, and to everything we've done and, and you guys in particular have done over the last year. But I think you look at the business transformation, you look at you know, changing customer service that needs to happen, the change in in-store ops that needs to happen to accommodate digital and how quickly the business has moved to roll that out. You've, other aspects that maybe didn't need as much consideration previously, like franchises uh, and how digital propositions affect that. I guess becoming a digital enterprise obviously required a big step change. What have been the biggest challenges to get there? Well, I think, I think with any, any, any business and, and you have to, and, and 
this is one of those things that, that we'll never know, right? Is that we we have, and, and the same with, you could dare say, you know, we'll never know what Brexit would have been without the pandemic, right? Is is what does change look like with a global kind of catastrophic, critical, in, 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 a, in, a, in a critical moment such as a pandemic? So I think that, that the, the biggest challenge, I think, heading into what our ambition was, let's say at the end of 2019 and 2020, was how you took a business that was fairly confident, if not extremely confident in who it was and what it was doing, um, and get them, get it to change, right? Getting, getting everybody to get on board that we've got to, you know, for us to be relevant and for us to unlock more value, uh, sooner rather than later, we're going to have to really significantly challenge ourselves to get out of our comfort zones, to uh, try different things, to spend money and maybe a road margin um, and, and test things and see what works for customers and what doesn't. I, I think the pandemic forced everyone to say, okay, the rules have changed <laughs> and um, we've got to do this. And I think in that... In, in the, that moment of, of uh, you know, that survival instinct kicks in, right, in any crisis. And I think that that really helped to uh, get people to think differently, uh, faster than, than we would have. And I, I'd say that's probably a, a, a universal across a lot of businesses. I mean, just think about the work from home uh, or work from everywhere now at this point, uh, th how that's changed the nature of work and how people work. Um, you know, the fact that we, we now, uh, most of our meetings are mediated through Zoom or Teams or Hangouts or whatever comms link you, you use, um, I, you know, I, I think that that was going to be the biggest challenge. I think what, what looking ahead, the, the next big challenge is as we recover and as, we, as that traditional retail uh, trade comes back, that we don't get comfortable, that we don't, uh, that we don't say, ah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's okay. It's like when you're running a marathon, it's okay to take a, a slightly slower pace for a half a mile or so, but you still got to get to the finish line in, in a respectable amount of time. We really just need to keep, uh, keep thinking about what, what this moment has afforded us uh, for, for our long-term, uh, you know, value creation. Uh, and I think that that's, uh, you know, I, I think pace and, and then the sustainability of the pace and being smart about pace are the biggest challenges. And so we, we really need to be mindful of, of what, uh, what we do and, and how to be healthy about, you know, taking what, we, what we've achieved and then getting to the next level without, uh, without overdoing it. That's really interesting. I think I remember having a conversation fairly early on in the pandemic even thinking as we return to the office, as we return to this new normal, if everyone in London worked from home just one day a week, that's potentially a, a one, one in five, a 20% impact on press revenues, if you assume people go every day. In a recent interview, I think Pano, the Pret CEO, said to Bloomberg that actually Pret was looking to move to the suburbs to, to go where the, where the people are going. If they're not in the skyscrapers anymore and they're, they're working from home, then how, you know, how can we respond? I guess. Is there anything in Pret's future to um, tailor propositions towards uh, the, the more the working from home segment or in any way of, of utilizing their data better to, to get there? Yeah, I mean, I think 
Um, I think we're already seeing it with the the consumer packaged goods that have landed at Tesco, and I think as of this week in Sainsbury's. I mean, um, if you haven't already visited your Tesco and Sainsbury's for our wonderful croissants, please do so after this uh, this podcast. Um, I, I think that's a starting point, and we've got some other really great products coming uh, coming into those uh, those uh, retailers uh, through the spring and summer. Um, that that's one example, right? But that's that's I think early baby steps in thinking about how the prep brand um, moves across products and channels, right? And so we've just, uh, we, with the arrival of a new customer, uh, chief customer and growth officer earlier this year, you know, he's done an, uh, an incredible amount of work thinking about what the growth engine for Pret looks like, um, not just for, for the UK market, but for the US. Uh, for for Europe, for uh, Hong Kong and Asia. And so I think there's certainly going to be early work on omni-channel development and, and thinking where there are opportunities and where we can, uh, you know, leverage our existing operating model, where we can uh, leverage our existing brand um, equity uh, and thinking through and reaching customers, whether they're in the suburbs, whether they're in office parks, whether they're in places that, um, you know, again, as I said earlier, our real our marketing strategy had been our real estate strategy, where you you build a shop uh, in a high footfall area, and people will see it and they'll come. That's a, that's a pret owned channel. That's very analog. <laughs> um, but I think as we we get smarter and people understand digital trade, how data, as you mentioned, powers that, um, it'll highlight different opportunities to um, think about different, not just different propositions and services, but different um, product mixes, whether it's at home, whether it's in different day parts, whether it's in different categories. So um, I think, you know, we've learned a lot through that um, and recognize that different channels and different trading areas, or and when, when I say di digital trading areas, I'm specifically talking about the, the, the uh, delivery partner marketplaces, that you have to be you have to really think about your strategy. It's not just and what you're offering and what the value is to a customer, not just say it's, it's, it's an opportunity for the sake of trading in that space. So uh, I think moving forward and, and as, as Pano had suggested, I think in one of his, uh, his recent interviews, going to the suburbs, going outside of London, diversifying the estate portfolio, working with partners, um, and franchisees to expand, uh, you know, our our presence in in places where we current aren't currently uh, is going to be key. And I think one of the other big things that I've seen, certainly in the past few weeks, that Pret has launched its its first account that actually all the propositions are in a single place for the first time ever, and that is a really huge step, right? That's potentially one of the biggest things in a in a brand's life cycle and a brand's history. How big is that step of prep and how much easier is that going to make your life through digital through on the channel in terms of engaging your customers? Well, I think uh, this has been definitely one of the advantages to being late to the game, right? Is that we, we've been able to, uh, we've been able to look at the challenges, certainly even within the JAV portfolio um, and know that the, that those who, who have gone before us and, uh, and, and built kind of a customer you know, they've, they've, they've in many instances uh, developed tactical solutions for loyalty, for click and collect, for delivery, 
And so all of their customer data is in a whole bunch of different places. It needs to get dumped into, you know, a data lake to be analyzed and, and matched to understand, you know, to even get a sense of what a single customer looks like. So I think um, from that regard, and I, I credit the, the digital product team and, and uh, my colleague, Emma Payne, uh, in, in thinking through what, what the customer data platform at Pret would look like um, to be able to support all of those propositions, not just here in the UK, but across the, the globe, our, across our global estate. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a really lucky thing that we're late. If, we, if we're going to be late, let's do it really right. <laughs> 100%. The big thing that's always struck me about Pret is its people. Uh, not, only, not only working in the office, uh, in 75B with you guys, but also every shop I go into, the teams are just lovely and they're willing to go the extra mile. How has digital helped improve a lot of the stuff in the back end in terms of the operations, in terms of how we're using digital to improve the team members' experience in shops? And how have they responded to it, particularly around the coffee subscription and then the big changes there? Yeah, that's it's, it's a great question because... Um, you know, in, in kind of going through this and, and talking with, uh, with peers across different concepts, um, it, it really is about, uh, it's not just about the technology, it's about the tools that you, and the training that you give to people to, to make it happen and unlock the value. And I think that our teams were, um, just given the urgency of, 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 of whacking delivery into the business last spring, the teams were really patient. So, I think when when uh, the team, the digital product team, was finally able to get or the order managed system in, we use Deliverect uh, right now in the UK. Um, there there was cheering in in the streets um, because um, I think that the the teams had gone through the journey of yes, we're getting sales. No, the technology and 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 solution is an ideal. But we ultimately, I think, have won the hearts and minds in that particular instance by giving them uh, a resource and something that is uh, much easier to use. So um, I think the teams, uh, we, we're really lucky in that we have, we have the, the, the people in the shops, as you mentioned, it's, they're, they're committed to making Pret the best that it can. I mean, um, one of our core values is doing the right thing. The, another one, a corollary, is never standing still. And I think those two things feed into the way teams um, and the team members and the general managers in particular have fed back to uh, the support center and, and the technology and the development delivery teams what we need to do uh, to better support them. So uh, as, as, as much as that was, a, 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 I think, a, a journey, as we start this click and collect experience uh, or trial rather uh, in uh, Manchester, the, the team member experience is as important to us as, as it is the, as this is the customer experience. Um, because we, we recognize that it, it, it is, it is uh, we'll be supporting customers in a completely new way um, and so we're looking for, for the, the teams in Manchester to be, you know, active in active conversations and discussions about refining the proposition as we trial it uh, through the summer. One of the best bits about working with Pret, and certainly as part of my induction uh, onto the projects, was I got to work in store, in shop for a day in my local shop in Kingston. And just working with, with Magda and the team was a such fun. Um, but you just 
got the feeling they were never standing still. And it wasn't just some guy from the digital team coming and looking at how the till works and how customers interact. I was there in the morning making sandwiches. Um, I was there standing behind the till, looking at how it all worked. I was heating for catches. Um, and the passion that they had, not only for the day-to-day the -day operations of the shop, but also the future uh, where digital was going. <laughs> the amount of real-time feedback I got saying, this customer has this problem with a coffee subscription. Can you go and fix that, please, when you're when you're leading the proposition? Which I thought was was just great. The point around feedback and you know, getting feedback from across the business, from our customers, from our uh, internal teams, uh, from our delivery partners, even. How has that evolved? Given where we're going with digital, we're moving into a more agile ways of working. It's great seeing the business get engaged with ceremonies and showcases uh, and adapting to to incremental delivery. What have been the challenges with getting all that feedback, trying to accommodate all that feedback, and then prioritizing it? Yeah, it's it's a big challenge. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the moving to agile ways of working. I mean, I think it's one thing. We, I think so often people hear the word. If if you don't know what what the formal kind of agile, it's it's ironic because there is actually a. A, 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 a structure to agile <laughs> that that makes it that enables flexibility and uh, iteration and responsiveness. But when people hear agile, they they hear it with a, a little a um, and they don't necessarily understand. They, they equate it. It's, it's almost a proxy for flexible or adaptable. And I think many in the business have when we've when we've talked about agility, and agile ways of working with the capital A, they 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 believe that it's a, it's part of the prep behavior to to just kind of you know uh, be creative and come up with a different solution or or adapt and adjust. Um, and so I think that that's been uh, in thinking through what we need to to do uh, in terms of getting all of that feedback in in one place and then recognize that there are ways to that that feedback feeds into backlog development and then prioritization and then uh, kind of a delivery uh, cycle. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things that's gonna take time. And I think that uh, becoming a truly agile organization um, is probably, you don't just wave a magic wand and boom, you're, you're, you're there. Um, despite all of the, again, the great strides we've made in the past year and, and the momentum we have, I think, as we calm down and it goes to that sustainability, right? Is that, uh, is that, that we've got to help everyone understand the pace, how to repace within this, this agile ways of working structure. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the, the next big opportunities that we have um, as an organization, all the way from, from the top, all the way down to uh, you know, the folks that are in our, in our shops and, and, and dare I say, even some of our suppliers and partners so that they understand uh, how we're working, how we're approaching the business um, so that, that, that we've got efficiencies, uh, you know, across the board um, and, and investment from everyone that this is, this is how we're doing it now. Obviously it's been historically quite London centric and gradually expanding to the rest of the UK. There's an increasing focus in terms of the states uh, and I have been lucky enough to work with the guys in the states uh, the guys in France guys in Hong Kong I know obviously there are a number of other markets as well 
given you started your time with PrEP in New York, how are you treating engaging your global markets through these new digital propositions as PrEP's global footprint grows? Are we looking at specific market models or specific propositions in certain markets, or is it a one global brand? Well, yes, it, we want it to be one global brand. I, I, I think, I don't, and I'm not sure that they're, they're somewhat mutually exclusive in terms of the brand ambition, right? A global brand, yes, tick that box. Um, and I think everyone recognizes that uh, the consistency and 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 the voice and and the the what what the uh, our our USP is um, as or, organic coffee and freshly made food that is and and then how that filters through things like CPG and, and other product development uh, that is that is global in scope. I think when you get into omni-channel, um, you really have to, and this is where Pret will have a huge opportunity and, and will really, as we bring in the new omni-channel team uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, and, and start working with the business, uh, and I say that both in, in the global sense here in London uh, through the, the Global Support Center, but then also the regional markets and the, with the managing directors and their teams in each of our, our, our markets, um, it really is understanding the customer um, and what the opportunity is in those markets. You know, we've just got to, we've got to look at the markets, work with the markets and understand where there is the opportunity to be uh, relevant, convenient and add value to the customer experience. I'm a firm believer that, that we're not a one size fits all anymore and that we've got to be more responsive um, to the customers um, and what the customer uh, opportunity is in each of the markets. That was an amazing answer. <laughs> So breaking through that ceiling then, one final question. What are you most excited about for where Pret's going? Oh, I, 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 on a daily basis. And it's, it's funny because we did a, uh, we did a, uh, an, a, a, some sort of, I, I forget what the acronym was. It was with a, 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 another consulting firm. It wasn't with Moringa, <laughs> but it was um, with another consulting firm in early 2019. And at the end of this three-day intense workshop with about 50 different stakeholders from across the business, um, at the end of it, I, I got up and, and said, how lucky is it that we're going to get to do this, right? Now, again, pre-pandemic, you know, uh, the uh, to, to paraphrase uh, or to quote from Hamilton, you know, to be in the room where it happens. Um, I think that that's looking back at that moment and thinking that this is the journey that we were about to start is amazing. I think coming out of the pandemic and looking at what's ahead um, and certainly what the, the global leadership team and Pano and uh, and Claire here in the U.S., in the U.K., and Jory in the U.S. Uh, have have identified as the near-term wins. It, it it the the next the next couple of years are going to you know absolutely be eye-opening for Pret, and it's going to. I think uh, we have a tremendous opportunity if we think about our customers and we get to know our customers in a different way. Um, it's gonna it's gonna have both uh, commercial value to the business, um, and it's going to make I think Pret a stronger uh, a, a stronger presence in people's lives because as much as people come to visit us in in our shops at lunch or or on their way to work for coffee, 
we've now got to earn the right to be invited into their homes and into the other places in their lives, right? Because, and that's, and we need to figure out how to get there um, and how to, uh, to strengthen those relationships. So I think for a brand like Pret, to dare I say, to get invited into to, to one's home, that is on brand for us. And, and that's, I think, a huge opportunity that we have that, that other brands don't have. And so that's, that's, I think, one of the most exciting things that, that's ahead of us. It is genuinely a really exciting time to be part of PrEP and to be working with PrEP. Alex, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to everyone listening. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please hit the subscribe button to keep up to date with our latest podcast releases and hear more from Baringa and our clients' digital stories. If you have a question or comment about the podcast or would like to learn more about Become Digital, please visit our campaign hub linked in the podcast bio.